0: How good does it feel to be in this room? This room that deserves to be filled to the brim with prayer radiating and exuding from its walls. How good does it feel to see faces that maybe for the last few years you only saw around town, maybe waiting in line for Cafe Vita or you spotted the KI decal, but you didn't have a chance to share a deeper experience. For some of you, this might even be particularly powerful because we recognize that we are often alone and more so than we ever have been before. Who here has traded going to the movies with their friends for sending clips on social media and waiting for their reaction in your direct message? Who here may not have even recognized that they're doing that as much as they are until I'm directly telling you? And you realize you haven't moved all the way back into a level of social engagement you had before the pandemic started. I'm not going to go into the dire strife of loneliness and the absolute need to tackle it. I think you already know that. But I will share that NPR says 60% of people still feel a more profound sense of loneliness than they did before the pandemic. 60%. And there are reasons. The very mechanisms that we leaned on during the pandemic that allowed us to stay connected are often now a crutch because they're so convenient. Rabbi Rubin spoke at Erev Rosh Hashanah on the condition of loneliness and the dangers that we face in the endemic of the human experience. And now I want to question what it means to actually feel loneliness. In an article in The Atlantic, Arthur Brooks shared his perspectives in an article called How We Learned to Be Lonely. He shares that through history, the the human experience has actually been amazingly resilient post-trauma and found ways to regroup and lean on community. He says going from surviving to thriving is crucial for healing and growing after a disaster. And scholars have shown it to be a common experience throughout time. Often, the worst conditions actually bring out the best in people when they are working together to recover. Yet, he finds COVID-19 trauma seems to be resilient from this human phenomenon. The most salient social feature of the pandemic was that it forced people into isolation. And for those fortunate enough not to lose a loved one, the major trauma it created was loneliness. Instead of coming together, emerging evidence suggests that we are amidst a long term crisis of habitual loneliness in which relationships were severed and then weren't given the chance to fully reestablish many people, perhaps many of you are still wandering alone at times without the company of friends and loved ones that you once leaned on to truly build in these moments. And he says to break out of these cycles, you have to force yourself to change, however uncomfortable. Happiness doesn't just manifest with time. It requires active engagement. You have to challenge that loneliness head on and forge meaningful connections. I think where Brooks fell short is that this pandemic is different from other loneliness creators in history. The pandemic's loneliness was different because the thing we were afraid of was other people. The thing in the natural disaster or war didn't mean you couldn't be with other people. The pandemic made us fearful and neurotic of the very idea of being around people. In those first few weeks, we would cross the street when walking our dogs to avoid other people. This is the first collective moment in which we have been afraid to be with other people and how disruptive that is. The pandemic made us neurotic of the very idea, even of family. And now as we move forward in this world, we have to do the hard work of yearning for the very thing that we avoided during the pandemic. Community is the obvious answer to loneliness. It literally is the gathering of like situated individuals, the opposite of being alone. And we are surrounded with opportunities for community, schools, sports teams, interest groups, all advertising their communal opportunities, and they can be amazing, can't they? And yet, all of the groups that I just named are fixed and termable communities. As long as you go to that school, you're in that community. As long as your kid wants to play AYSO, you're in that community. Yet, once you're done with that stage of life, you lose the community that you once leaned on. But you are all part of another community, aren't you? The Jewish community. Our holidays, our communal experiences help to forge togetherness. Truthfully, it's irrelevant if you believe in any of it. The fact that you are sitting in this room, listening to another sermon together, this community is thriving. Togetherness is thriving. The human condition is thriving. And what makes this community different from those others is you don't term out here. We have been in a lot of moments together. I have been in moments of the mundane, in the celebration, and in pain. I've spent B'nai Mitzvah with you. I've prayed with you before major surgeries. I've stood with you as we buried your loved ones. That's what makes this community different. You are part of this community for as long as you allow yourself to let it be a priority in your life. And your relationship with this community is ever-changing. And it's dynamic as you yourself grow and change. And it can be somewhat difficult to explain this gift and opportunity that comes with staying connected for a lifetime. I consider that gift a spiritual safety net. The safety net gives you the opportunity to move forward and take risks in life without being in constant fear. Think of the trapeze artist on the bar. Sometimes you have to take risks and jump. And the jump is all the easier with a safety net. Now what's ironic is that a majority of the time you have no interaction with the safety net, just merely knowing it's there. The presence of the safety net allows you to land the jump. And on those off chances that one does slip, that one does fall, that one does stumble, the safety net is there to allow them to get right back up, landing safely and soundly, protecting them. Not a single one of us was unaffected by this pandemic. Even those who think your lives are back to normal, we're all in some ways unmended. And by recognizing our brokenness, we can take the risks and the steps necessary to journey to being whole once again. When we don't feel that safety net, when we haven't seeked it out, when we haven't been part of weaving that safety net for others, that is what contributes to these societal conditions that foster loneliness. As someone with ADHD, I go about this a little differently. For years, I struggled to understand why I studied better and performed better just from being around other people. They didn't have to be studying, they didn't have to be in the same task, they just needed to be present. And then recently I I discovered that there is a term for this idea. It's called ADHD body doubling. The phenomenon of body doubling is the practice where a person with ADHD works and completes tasks just because someone else is there. The other person is the body double for the person with ADHD. They serve as a visual cue of knowing they're not alone. The double's job is to help anchor the person with ADHD in that present moment and task. And that alone reduces the risk of distraction. Now, they may place a slight, subtle, positive pressure on the person to remain focused because they're not alone. They're not allowed to let their minds drift. And in some cases, like I said, the mere presence of the person soothes the anxiety. And allows to wrestle with these symptoms of the hyperactivity. The story of Hannah is often credited with the origins of our Amida blessings. For those of you who don't know the story of Hannah, she goes to the temple and she starts to pray. She prays softly but aloud. And the people think she's crazy. What is she doing? Why is she coming to the place of communal prayer only to pray alone? But you see, Hannah was showing up to the dwelling place of faith because in that place lies community. For us today in our Amidah, we rely on this visceral feeling of being in a prayerful unison without having to compromise our own voice and thoughts. It's powerful. Remember, when we pray nearly inaudibly, it's not just symbolically silly. Our tradition created a body doubling thousands of years ago. Recognize that if we wanted to speak our deepest truths, we had to at least know we weren't alone and everyone else was going through a similar experience. We allow space for every voice in the community to be having room to be shared. Belonging in community does not require uniformity. There's space for everyone's uniqueness. Can we see our Amidah as a collective cry, yearning to reinforce the spiritual safety net, a gift of body doubling, a conditioning of feeling community, even when it isn't screaming its existence in front of you? On the theme of ADHD, let's talk about famous figures from our text. Moses was tasked with turning a generation forged in slavery into a free people. Jonah, doomed to face the fact that divine forgiveness extended to Israel's enemies. Jeremiah had to tell the people things they flat out did not want to hear. Elijah was one of the first prophets that pushed back against the kings. And David took on political, military, and spiritual challenges, all to solidify the beginning of a kingdom. These tasks were huge. These tasks were probably too much to take on. And these tasks were very isolating. And in their isolation, in their loneliness, and in their despair, they all cried out to God from the depth, and God answers them. But God does not make their tasks any easier. God does not provide any shortcuts. But God does give them all the gift of not feeling alone. In each of these examples, God discloses more of God's self to the individual. The presence was enough to give them the true spirit and need to complete their task. God provided the body double. And we have to follow the same lead from God. We have to be there to make sure that no one trying to do better for this world does so with a feeling of being alone. It also gives me a certain amount of pause to realize that all these famous figures from our text probably have ADHD, but we'll go into another sermon for that. I am also less concerned with what God really means in this story for all of us. God for me is a manifestation of soul-to-soul connection, a theological call for the presence of others. When we gather in community, each of us, we are a spark of the divine. A more godly experience is formed with each person that enters the room. And we are obligated to create the divine experience just by showing up. This community is a spiritual safety net. We need to make the necessary changes in our lives to continuously improve. We have to take risks. We have to jump occasionally and jump knowing that safety net is there. That's the real magic of the name, Kehillah, Kehillat Israel. And the other piece that's wonderful is in this community, you get to be you. You're not starting a new school. You're not pretending to fit into a new surroundings. These other communities require you to check a box, a talent, an age, some type of moment in life. Here, you already belong. There's no box to check. I love you and you and you and you and each and every one of you for being your authentic you. Because what an amazing presence you are. And what an amazing task you've done in weaving this safety net together just by showing up and authentically being you. Have confidence and security that comes with knowing our spiritual safety net is robust and reliable. You know I'm here. Rabbi Bernstein, Cantor, Frankel, the entire staff that care for your children and nurture your Jewish engagement, Julie and Michael, everyone is here. That's what makes this different than termed community. Somewhere where you have a finite life transitional time, but here you belong. And we don't force you to believe in a certain way. I don't care how you believe in God. I don't care if you keep kosher. I don't care if your phone goes on, do not disturb for Shabbat. What I care about is that you're here to live this experience together because each of us breathes life into this home. Each of us serves a holy role by showing up. We want you here. We need you here. Your presence creates the safety net. Now, many of you have had to deal with me asking for a cup of coffee or going out to lunch or spending some time together, and I'm not just doing that because I'm hungry. It's because I need you. It's about having the deepest form of connection that I can as rabbi. My family needs community too. I need community too. And there's something so emotionally satisfying about knowing that we aren't alone. So if I've hounded you for a cup of coffee and we haven't had our coffee yet, please. And if I haven't gotten to hound you yet, hound me. I want to sit with you. I want to get coffee. I want to hear your stories because that is how we craft that spiritual safety net. That is how we create this holiness in this space. You are the first weaving of that spiritual safety net. Your staying committed to this community through your life is not only for your own need of net, but so that we know that we've created that net for others who need that strength as well. You can bring in others. You can bring back those who have missed the truth that this is a forever community. You have a holy role here. Judaism speaks truth about the entire community. When it says that we create and illuminate holiness being together, we cultivate the divine. We can eliminate loneliness. You know, this is why we have Shul. Come, come. Go to shul, eat the cookies, say Mishaberach, say Kanish. It's not just so God can hear the names. What did I say to you earlier? So all of us can hear the names of those you care for. Because praying as a community is what's so powerful. Here you can show up for the whole community. Here you can comfort the mourner. Here you can care for the sick. Be here. Commune here. Take on small tasks and big actions for this community. Volunteer, bring your ideas. Share with others how powerful it is that we're together. The more you connect and give to this community, the more it does reward you back. We are together in celebration, together in contemplation, together in hard work, and together in moments of sadness and loss. Let us continue to build this community together. And may we each know that while you might still feel lonely sometimes, you are not alone. Gamar Hatima Tova. May we support one another in being sealed in this book of life.